Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Petropolis podcast. I'm your host, Taz. And today we are continuing with the Cat University series. We're going to um, be talking about kidney disease with Terry Grow, the founder of Wise Feline. Terry, can uh, you, you've already done an episode of my podcast. We talked about your your store Pet Sage and your business Pet Sage, which you're no longer doing. So, can you just introduce yourself and tell tell us what you're doing with Wise Feline and what you're doing now? Over the years, I've really enjoyed working and learning more about cats. I, I consider them the ultimate survivalist, and I really wanted to learn about how they evolved and them being able to survive in the world with us being um, really evolving from a wild animal. And so I've spent a lot of time researching in the different diseases and uh, being taught a lot of things by cats as you... <laughs> That's the only way I can put it, you know. So I started doing more consulting one-on-one, doing researching, um, really spending time. I've been working with a vet nutritionist on kidney diets. Uh, kidney diet, kidney disease is, is kind of a passion of mine because I really think we need to look at this a little differently um, from all my research. And uh, so, yeah, just doing more consulting. And then I, part of that was over the years, I developed the line Wise Feline because I really wanted to look at things that were presented to me in my store on kidney disease or urinary tract disease and what people could do. Um, and I'm very excited. A lot of veterinarians are now referring these products. Um, they can be used long term. And Honestly, I have, it's the amazing part is they're pretty palatable for cats. So <laughs> You answered my question. That's my, that's always my biggest worry. Um, yeah. Especially when cats have kidney disease, no appetite, they're, they vomit easily. So mm -hmm. can we- Well, I have Greg Tilford to help for that because uh -huh. he was the one that helped me really understand more about using glycerin bases um, and- uh, so yeah, it's, it's a, I think it's a combination of efforts. So yes, I interviewed Greg Tilford, um, founder of Animal Essentials. He's mm -hmm. got magnificent products that I've been carrying for years as well. So yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm a fan, big fan. And uh, learning from him is you're lucky. It's a gift. It is. It is a gift. Can we start with um, the types of kidney disease? There's acute and chronic. Can you touch on both of them, please? I really have not had much experience with acute, um, except with my own cat that he's also had heart disease. But acute is something that we really see the ER treat. I'll be very frank. I don't see cases like that. Um, and once they get through the emergency room, then we'll see precautions to help protect the kidneys after, if there's been any kidney damage. Chronic disease, a chronic kidney disease, in my opinion, is a progressive disease. It is a disease that many factors are involved with, um, whether different diseases, whether it's food, environment, genetics, you name it. I think there's a combination of things. And so looking at chronic kidney disease um, looks at, I think, looking at more of a managing a disease, like instead of treating cancer, we actually are managing cancer. I look at that the same way with kidney disease. When, oh, are, are there signs that, that 
should lead us to starting the management process or um, should we be going to our vets and um, getting copies of the blood work and understand how to, how to disseminate what's what? Because what I often find is our vets don't, aren't triggered by the test results until we're already in, you know, the animals Correct. are already in kidney failure. So Correct. what should the pet owner do before we get to that stage? Unfortunately, as our, as our animals age. right. Unfortunately, we know that cats don't show kidney disease until there's only a portion of their kidneys remaining. But I think that's where we need to be cautionary on what we feed, understanding potential problems of that particular breed of a cat, or if it's just domestic short hair, um, really watching the diet. Um, as well as um, one of the things that I've started to look at are, are there subclinical, are there little indications? Like, do we see um, some inflammatory conditions going on in white blood cells or elevated liver enzymes that, well, they really don't know what that means. I think we need to look at that. And I also think because so many cats still eat dry food, I have a feeling that we, we need to just take it as a given that pretty soon cats are going to be dehydrated and that that's going to set a, a foundation to develop kidney disease. The dehydration doesn't allow proper flushing of toxins in the body. Okay, so if the cat- You can chime in here, Taz. You know? <laughs> You're my teacher today, even though- <laughs> I have a little knowledge. Um, you are the teacher today, and uh, you're you're. My hey, we're all learning in this because I think that's the problem. I really think what's going on is cats have not really. Well, in fact, um, most of the studies that let's say the kidney renal diets are based on are done on dogs and rats. There's very few studies that are done with cats. And those that have been done are really comparing apples to oranges. So we're looking at an animal that is an obligate carnivore, and yet we're using base models that they're extrapolating data from. That is, okay, the, the dog is a carnivore, but he's not an obligate carnivore. Cat needs a lot more protein than him. And rats are omnivores. So wait a second, you're telling me the prescription diets, Hills, Royal Canin, Purina, prescri prescription kidney diets are not tested on a cat? Is it because- they tested on cats, but when they even do those studies, and the studies that I have looked at and the reviews of studies that I've looked at, they will look at my diet versus the competitor's diet and compare those, or they'll look at the brand name and add a supplement or a phosphorus binder and compare it to a maintenance diet. So they're not really giving us comparing apples to apples or it, the data is just very conflicting. Are they meant for long-term use, those diets? Um, I personally, 
I personally don't recommend it, but again, I am not a veterinarian. Um, and I, when they are prescribed, as the prescriptive diets are for kidney disease, yes, they are prescribed for long-term, unlike the urinary, which you and I've discussed. Are, I don't believe that they were designed for long-term use. But there's even discussions coming out now. And what I started looking at is, a client comes in or calls me, their cat's been diagnosed with early renal disease. Well, their veterinarian wants them on this diet right away. Well, even now, they're coming back saying, maybe we don't want to be too hasty on this. That the there are veterinarians are coming back and saying that? Okay. Yes. Maybe we don't want to be too hasty because of setting the cat up for some problems. And malnutrition is the one issue. Yeah. And that's what the renal disease, and in fact, um, one of the papers, I, if you're going to do a renal disease, find the one with the highest protein. <laughs> so, um, so let, let's go to that. If you're trying to prevent your animal from possibly developing kidney disorders, a lot of us have had cats before and the people that haven't and are being led by um, you know, online searches for the best pet food. Always for cats takes you to kibble, mm -hmm. blue, whatever, <laughs> blue, yeah. green, orange, um, whatever it is. But and and not knowing if they were to, if people were listening to this, what should they be feeding? What shouldn't they fe be feeding? In helping the pets, possibly not reach that level of developing kidney disease earlier than they might have if they were eating foods that weren't proper my what my ultimate diet would be an organic raw food diet with bone and if we can't do that then you're going to look for a quality canned food that uses meat proteins not a lot of your pea proteins, isolates, things like that, so that you are feeding a very moisture rich, high meat protein diet, low carbohydrate as, as much as possible. And I think that in, spe in feeding a species appropriate diet, then you're doing the best you can do long-term. And personally, I will take that right up through a cat in kidney disease and even later stage diseases because I have found, I have several cases right now, senior cats, kidney disease, thriving on raw food diets, but we also are using things that, for instance, if the, the phosphorus starts to creep up, then we use a phosphorus binder. Right. So it's using, letting the preventing malnutrition, which has enough consequences of its own, and then any sort of what traditional medicine would call side effects, we use complementary therapies or medications to counter that. Perfect. Thank you for that. It just gives us a basis to work off of. Right. Okay. Yeah. And if we don't have that basis, we just sit here thinking, okay, what do I do? Right. So what are the signs that... Um, owners should be looking for? Let's, let's go there. What should they be looking for as their cat gets older? Let's, let's say they haven't had the cat their whole lives or whatever the situation is. Let's talk about potential 
signs that we should look at and have an awareness of? Well, I think the classics are definitely drinking more, you know, um, as well as a little, you'll start to see a little bit of weight loss. And the weight loss is that the cat is not getting enough usable protein. And this is what happens when we use a restricted protein diet. They begin to catabolize their own body, their own lean muscle mass. Um, so all of a sudden you have weight loss. And there's enough going on even in human studies now, geriatrics, that we need to bump the protein for our, our geriatrics. So they're looking at that now. Now, I don't know of any studies that's been done, but they definitely are, um, I think, looking at using higher meat proteins um, in diets and supporting the protein levels for, it's not so much, you have to be careful of, and I understand that, especially you've got these high protein dry food diets. Well, first of all, dry food, we're going to take that off the board completely with kidney disease. If you can, the problem is, as you and I both know, you've got a 16 year old that's got kidney disease and the owner is really upset. The cat won't eat then you use dry food to your benefit and that you use the flavoring agents and try to get them onto a food mm -hmm. that is high moisture content. Um, right. Prescription diets tend to be lower protein, but you have an obligate carnivore that can only survive and thrive on protein, on meat on protein, protein right. being the key. Um, what do we do here? We, we give them raw diets. We give them high quality um, meat rich, moisture rich canned diets. Correct. And we adjust their needs with supplements and phosphorus binders if necessary to help them thrive and not diminish in weight. Correct. Where does the fluid therapy come in, come, come in? Because I often, again, in all the years I've been doing this, our vets are a little too late in jumping in and starting fluid therapy. I don't know if it's a disconnect with the owner and not just bringing the owner in on the process of helping their animal. Right. I know they want to make it easy, but a lot of us are willing to go through hell and high water for our right. animals. I do think there is a disconnect. I. Uh, I yes, a lot of clients are afraid to try fluids, or they don't. There's a whole, whole dis section of people just not even wanting to take their cat to the vet, so that invites a lot of complications as well. Um, because when you get into this situation, constant monitoring is really critical, and mm -hmm. adding the fluids, if people understand how much that helps their cat feel better, reducing the toxins, flushing out those kidneys, then I think they would be more open to trying or having someone really spend time and teaching them how to do the tricks of how to do it. You know, it's not just shoving a bag there, stick the needle in and walk away. You can warm the fluids. You can even, I had a client recently with a diabetic. I said, just put a treat in front of them when you do it. Oh, I never thought of that. So it's it's games that you can play that 
make it a special time. When I've had to do fluids, we had a special place. We had a little bonding time. I do think education, and we talked about this last time, just helping people understand what they're doing and why they're doing it helps the veterinarian help the client. I always tell my cat people who, whose cats have kidney disease, just think if your mom had kidney dysfunction and she needed dialysis, would you say no? Mm -hmm. She would be cramping, she would be in pain, she'd have muscle aches, and then it would lead to deterioration so much faster. Absolutely. So if we take a step back and make that effort and again, get, get rid of that fear and all the thoughts we have in our mind about why we can't do it and think about why we can. Right. And when we see that the animal is actually feeling better, mm -hmm. it is a very small price to pay to learn how to do this. We're oh. pushing their body out of the, the you know, the right. so there, there's so much that we can get out of it, even if your vet says the kidney values are slightly elevated. That's the time I always say, start looking at starting fluid therapy, even if it's just once or twice a week and add some B vitamins to the diet. Yep. Um, yeah. Let's get you know, some fatty acids, which helps blood flow and. And uh, it helps, especially in introducing it slowly like that. The owner becomes more comfortable. The cat can become more comfortable. Mm -hmm. They can learn their patterns a lot easier instead of, oh my gosh, I need to do this right now. Yeah. Out of fear versus maintenance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let, let's start looking forward to how we can maintain health and comfort as long as possible before they start deteriorating. That just kills me to see a cat all of a sudden deteriorate. Yeah. And, and I do, you know, you try to respect the client too. My cat doesn't like doing this. Well, I've had clients then turn around and take their cat to the vet twice a week for fluids. That in itself is going to be very helpful if the cat transports easily or have a technician come to your home and do it so that you, you are not the person that is showing your fear. The technician comes in, boom, it's done. You're out of the way. You're still a good guy if, if that's the way you look at it. And you can even spend time in there watching the tech do it, being there with the animal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And eventually you'll get the confidence to <laughs> do it yourself. I've had clients who would just sit there and watch the tech do it. They're holding the cat's paw, literally. Mm -hmm. It works. And when you started early, we're reducing that diminishment and the onset of um, the end stage sooner. So right. let's talk about um, the supplements that cats need when they are suffering from kidney disease. Mm -hmm. There, There's a website, Tanya's, I mean, I'm sure you know that it's just, yeah. it's got so much information. Oh and links to one place to another and one study to another. I love it, but it can drive someone into a state of madness right? if you don't understand the basics first. So we got the food down, we got fluid therapy down. We know that we should be talking to our veterinarians about even when the um, levels are slightly elevated, depending on the age and obviously other factors in place. 
um, about possibly starting fluid therapy to help the animal along so they don't deteriorate. Sure. Uh, what are we going to do to help them? Because not all supplements are created equal and some there are so many products out there that claim you know, we're going to cure you, you know, like I, I read these, this information about you know, type one diabetic cinnamon's going to cure you. I'm like, Oh my God, I just want to put my middle finger up and run around. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, come on. <laughs> I also think there's a tendency of overdoing it. And that's another complication of, Oh my, you know, my cat is, is, failing and how many things can I cram in this cat poor cat to try to see if it gets some better and what you're doing is overloading the body at that time so it's it's you know pick one or two that's your veterinarian or you feel most appropriate with um I'm personally a fan of herbs and I do think herbs depending on and in, in Chinese medicine we look at kidney disease is not one chronic disease. You actually have a continuum of different phases of what's going on. So working with someone that can help you understand what stage. Do you have a hyperthyroid cat that has kidney disease that you'll need one particular formula? Or do you have this frail heat-seeking cat that we need another type of renal formula for. So those I think are very possible. Simple supplementations, which I it was just reading about, you know, one of the things they add to the prescriptive diets is omega-3s. How much omega-3 do you really think you can add for it to be therapeutic? <laughs> That's so key. And also, where is this omega-3 coming from? Is it? That's right. You can't get it from flax seeds that could be toxic you have to Correct. be very careful in where you're getting your omega-3s from right and yeah are, are there any studies just to jump back on the omega-3 are there any studies out i haven't i haven't done mm -hmm. any research not with cats no yeah. i was just actually reading that saying that they know that it helps actually protect and prevent proteinuria in dogs and other species but they don't they have not done studies in cats so but the assumption is, and taking that extrapolating, if it works for other species, why not try it with cats? And we do see benefits with that. Well, it's a natural anti-inflammatory. Mm -hmm. um, so it would help blood flow, right? Right. <laughs> but getting back to what you were just saying, what we need to understand is kidney disease evolves from inflammatory conditions in the body. So if we're naturally using an anti-inflammatory like the omega-3s, then you are benefiting, which is going to help reduce the inflammation in the kidneys, prevent some sort of fibrosis that may be going on, and encouraging the excretion of toxins. So I, I don't see why there would be a problem using it. Um, so you would have some baseline supplements. Is it something that you recommend daily for early onset? Or is it something that as needed? How do you give me a program for a cat that's in early stage renal? I do age? think adding a fish oils early stage would be a great thing to try. But we're also seeing a lot of cats that have allergies to fish. So that's something you need to be aware of. Understand, you know, that's, that is a controversy. 
is fish a natural diet for a lot of and um, how much fish that should they have so it's it's kind of across the board although I was taught years ago the fish oil shouldn't be a problem but I personally had a cat that was allergic to fish and could not have fish oils so uh, I do think something along that line but it, like you said trying to use alternative fish or omega-3s I'm not sure would be as beneficial so at some point you eliminate that yeah. as a supplement. Yeah. Phosphorus binders are definitely one that we are, are looking at. And it depends on, and there are a range of different phosphorus binders. You know, we go from aluminum hydroxy to um, different types of probiotics that will all, all about removing this through the intestines instead of letting the kidneys filter things out. Okay. So I think, you know, probiotics, we're finding it's not just about the gut. So would a good probiotic, and that's in discussion of which is the most appropriate probiotic for cats. Um, you know, the brand name Azadiol has do, I believe they have some studies behind them that show the benefits um, for uh, kidney disease. So um, I do, that would definitely be something that I would add to it. I think those three things that I would look at kidney, I would look at a, an herbal formula, I would look at a phosphorus binder, and um, some type of probiotic. Okay. Any suggestions that you, I, I'm open to learning because do you other, when you're working with clients, what do you add? Is there anything on top of that? I always add B-complex because they're urinating so much so, more. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times we'll, and I wonder how much they actually absorb, we'll actually use um, nutritional yeast, which is very high in bees, as a taste enhancer for mm -hmm. foods. So I think that would be an interesting way to, to try to get them in it. Yeah. yeah. And it's based on the indiv individual animal. We get, you know, there's just no one way of doing things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, traditional therapies are consistently one way. It's funny when, when I get clients asking what they should do about their cats that have kidney disease, I want something homeopathic. And I have to explain what homeopathy is. <laughs> yes. You know, I get, you get the birds spinning around there. <laughs> and then I want something natural. I'm like, well, you know, phosphorus binders are not unnatural. You're very right about that. Um, fluid therapy is not unnatural. You mm -hmm. know? So you're doing the right things. Let's get them on the right diet where right. they're not getting plant proteins. Yes, I think that's the biggest thing. If we can encourage people to use more of a species appropriate diet, um, that alone helps a lot of things. Um, and, you know, using herbal therapies, you can actually use a lot of the herbal therapies will help with the nausea. They will, they will complement or actually replace some of the medications and using a wider spectrum of things. There's so many options on the market, mm -hmm. right? Should they be talking to someone who is knowledgeable about it? I mean, I am not an herbal person. I would send them over to you to yes. between traditional Chinese medicine and herbs, your, your brand, you have kidney products out there that deal with specific segments of kidney disease. So Correct. 
let's talk about herbal treatment and what to do and what not to do. This is all all you. Uh, I do encourage working with a practitioner, whether it is um, your veterinarian or an herbalist to understand what each of the herbs in the formula are doing. Because I actually have seen formulas that are both urinary and kidney. And to me, a number of the herbs in it were too harsh for some of these kidney patients. So I try to back them off or onto a little more junk. You know, you've got a cat with lower urinary tract disease. You're probably not going to use that when you've got a cat with kidney disease unless you try to use the two together. And I've seen combinations where they're trying to make this a, a combo disorder and you really need to be cautious of that. So yes, I do encourage um, working with someone that has more experience with herbs. Um, or even if you're not a trained herbalist, you have worked with brands that have helped you understand why their products work so specifically. Mm -hmm. um, that alone right there is shows a lot of respect for the company that believes in their products. Um, so I, that would be my recommendation. Yeah, I, I really, and you know this, you've, you've experienced it a lot of people do too much self-medicating yep. and they inundate the animal with supplements mm -hmm. and then they wonder why there's nausea. They wonder why their cat's not eating. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the food has to be a priority. I keep going back to getting the right diet. That has to be priority. And the supplements and the herbs are secondary. Right. So um, how do we put this all up in a bundle. Give me an overview of what the consumer, what the pet owner needs to do and where they can go to get guidance from you. A loaded question. Um, I really... <laughs> it's not, it's unload it. Unload I know, it. I know. <laughs> I, I think the biggest thing is to really understand what kidney disease is in their cat, what they're trying to do um, so that they can do more support and help the cat feel better. So you're looking at a diet that is appropriate, supplements that are going to help manage the kidney disease, not overload the kidneys, like you said, with additional supplements. I need an immune booster for my cat. No, you don't. Not when it comes to kidney disease. Uh, um, and then really this kidney time is a time that you really need to monitor it a lot. So you, your veterinarian is going to be a big part of the network at this point, making sure that looking at the blood tests, what's shifting in the levels? Is it going up? Are they going down? What, what level is going up? Is, is the potassium high or is it low? Same thing with the phosphorus. Um, so that is really trying to um, again, I come back to what, what's really a network at that time of working with some working, you know, I, I have a case that I'm working with right now. She's got a homeopath in Florida. The veterinarian is in Staten Island. We're kind of all working together to make sure that this cat um, 
somebody's not stepping on somebody's toes. And I mean that, that I'm not prescribing, over-prescribing, or they're not over-prescribing. So this is real critical when it comes to kidney disease. Because integrative is a big word, and that's really what it's all about, in my opinion. It's, it's really trying, as you said the last time, your cat is the patient. We're trying to help the cat. That's the bottom line. So make sure that that cat has the best quality of life. This client that you're working with that has people all over, you're working together. Mm-hmm. You're coming together, making decisions based on each other's knowledge because one knows more about one thing. Right. So you're coming together and putting all that knowledge together without judgment. Yes. Which is such a nice thing. To have. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because it's, you know, as much as we know about medicine, we still don't know enough about about it. I mean, I want to say we still don't know enough because we're always learning. And it's the but, same thing with diet. We still don't know. It wasn't, it, as you and I know, it wasn't until the 90s that they finally went, wait, the cat's a separate species. Let's really look at what the cat needs and what his requirements are. So we are still learning a lot about nutrition. Um, what if you have a vet that is very aggressive about the prescription diet? I personally, if I've got somebody who's overly aggressive about them, I suggest exploring other options of veterinary care. Um, you know, the sad part is most people are more critical about the mechanic that's working on their vehicle and will challenge them than they will the veterinarian. So you've hired this individual and yes, they have decades of study and experience, but this is your animal and you're their advocate. So if you do not feel comfortable with something, I think it's worth exploring and finding alternatives. I've done it myself. So just because they have all that education doesn't mean that they are right. For your animal at that time, that's what it comes down to. You know, they may have for another patient, it may have been a brilliant solution, Mm -hmm. but what you want to do and what you feel is, or what you've seen cats, in my experience, most cats that we give them a diet that they like to eat And that's something that I I wanted to bring up when it comes to the prescriptive diets that always impressive me about cats. You know, when I go back and look and study at the evolution of the cat, as I said earlier, I consider the ultimate survivor and that their body teaches them what they need. Do you know that they actually have a cap on how much carbohydrates they are willing to accept in a diet? And if it's beyond that cap, they will refuse that food. Renal diets are above that cap. So why do most cats reject it? And in yet, you know, the fat tube companies come to us and say, these palatins will help entice your cat. There's actually shown that a cat won't be tricked by palatins alone. They'll, their body will figure out that they're not getting the nutrients to survive and they will refuse the food. So when they stop eating, I mean, they, they'll stop eating and there's a reason Mm -hmm. there's, it doesn't mean that 
it, it could mean that their body's just so toxic that they just can't get the toxins out anymore right. and they're deteriorating and dying. But it could also mean, look, I'm trying to tell you something. And mm-hmm. it, this is the point that, that I think you're trying to make. Um, they're, they're speaking to the owner and trying to tell the owner, look, do something. I can't go to the store and <laughs> buy the product. I can't do the things that you're doing. If I was out, I would probably get a mouse and happily right. eat it and be better off than where I am here. Right. Uh, of course, I'm exaggerating. No, but- I. But it is a, it, that's a great example because you know we look at not even. I don't encourage, and most of the veterinarians that I work with or I've trained with. Um, we don't even look at changing diets until late second stage, maybe even into third stage. And then what I tell owners, I've yet to find a cat in that late stage that will eat those diets anyway, or a low protein diet, Mm -hmm. feed them whatever they will eat. And then we will treat what comes about from that, whether through medications or through herbal therapies or supplement, whatever. So what if if that, whatever they will eat is a dry food. I mean, we have a lot of cats that are addicted to the dry foods. You know, I think that's a hard thing to do. If the owner is willing to try, they might be able to get them off. And that's understanding most owners will put a dish in front of them and say, Oh, he doesn't like it. I use an example. It took me a year to get one of my office kitties off dry food. So it, if you're persistent, mm-hmm. it can work. It just takes that. And a lot of people are so afraid of their cat going hungry, they won't do it. And we don't want the cat to starve, but that persistence takes a lot of effort. What do you think of freeze-dried foods for cats with kidney disease? I think as long as you dehydrate them, excuse me, as long as you rehydrate them, you should be fine using them. And they're great because that dehydration helps the flavoring of them to entice them to eat. So I'll even tell people use one or two pieces to sprinkle it on top if you need to do that. But rehydration I definitely helps um, makes it more appropriate for a kidney patient. Do you use it a lot with client patients? I use it as um, as as what something to enhance the flavor mm-hmm. of the food if they don't want to eat um some cats want something dry especially if they're nauseous right they tend to want to have something dry in their mouth as opposed to licking there's something there's that act of licking which um i don't know what what the connection is with nausea the brain right there's when they're nauseous, they, they want to grab onto something and just have it moisten in the mouth and then swallow. And I see a lot of kidney cats do that. So I'll have them put a little piece of, you know, crumbled freeze-dried chicken or rabbit or something right on top Mm -hmm. and it gets them going and it gets them to start eating. Got to start somewhere. We got to get absolutely, even if it is if, even if we have to use a couple of crumbles of dry food as, as an enticer, um, shove it in to get them to start eating it. You know, it's funny. You should talk about the crunch. I always thought it was more the owner that needed to hear that crunch um, versus the cat. I used to think that too. 
Yeah, but that's an interesting um, discussion of what you're bringing up on, because we know that their palate and tasting could also trigger things as well in the brain. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, no, it's, that's what this is about. We're all trying to figure some of these things out and share, because clearly what we've been doing, I think, is creating more health issues with these kidney patients. Um, and if we can get them to where they feel better by making sure that they're eating properly, then we've got, we're ahead of the game. The only problem with freeze-dried and, and uh, like I said, rehydration, in my experience, many of them cats won't eat once they've been rehydrated. There's, there's only a few. Yeah, so I know. That's, that's why that I is, just use it as an enticer as mm -hmm. opposed to some will eat it, but you're going to have to let it sit, let the top be dry and let the base get wet. Right. So they at least get going. Mm -hmm. It's a process. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason I think why so many manufacturers steer away from doing cats and cat foods because cats aren't easy. <laughs> no, they're not easy. They're, they're not easy. And they are so individual. You can use similar processes for dogs across the board depend you know yep. with disease but with cats it's very individualized whether it's hyperthyroidism diabetes one will differ from the other completely mm -hmm. um and you know that's why i always wonder why vets run to prescription diets and aren't treating the individual right you know i i there are a few, some of the prescriptive diets are a little different. I think they vary in protein levels. Um, and I always suggest if you are going to use a protein or use a prescriptive, then use the highest protein possible. Um, Do you know which one that is? I think Royal Canaan is one of the higher ones. Um, the chicken Feather Company? Sorry. Sorry? <laughs> I said the Chicken Feather Company. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not advocating them, but I'm just saying if you have to. That <laughs> but doesn't the pro doesn't the but quality of the protein matter as well? Absolutely. Or the other things that I now am paying attention to are um, inorganic phosphates that we're using in canned foods to texturize the food. They're making them uh, protections. Those alone. Um, are triggering. You know, they did studies in Germany that showed that um, the inorganic phosphates were causing kidney disease. Those are things that we need to look at. It's becoming more aware that we need to rotate foods and be cautious of certain ingredients. You know, which organic phosphates are the lesser of evil, which are the better ones, mm -hmm. or the plant proteins or the glycemic index of some of these foods that are triggering problems. Um, the more we try to substitute and make foods cheaper, the more we're getting away from a diet that a cat really needs. Good quality meat and organ meats are expensive. And to be able to produce a food is not going to be, you know, sold cheaply. But that's hard to believe when you've got an industry telling you, you can feed your animals for pennies. Well, it's commoditizing the health of the animal. Mm -hmm. That's that's all it is because they're dispensable. This cat dies, you're going to get another one. When people talk about the human-animal bond, are we really 
as focused on that bond or are we just making more money? Uh, so what kind of game are we playing? Right. <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> Okay, so now that oh, we covered everything, I don't know, I think so. <laughs> I think we got some information out for the pet owner. Where can people find you, Terry, if they want to do a consult session with you with herbs and um, their kidney, kidney? I just launched, in fact, well, it's actually launching later this week, a revised um, just terrygrow.com. I, I hope to have more and more information up there um, just to try to help guide people, help educate. That, that's the whole thing. Like you just said, your veterinarian will work with you. Let's see what we can just share more information, trying to understand who's really living with us. Yep. And if you have any questions about herbs, Chinese medicine, Terry can guide you. She has a line of herbs. Um, that you have two kidney formulas, right? I have a kidney formula and I have a urinary formula. Those two are my most popular formulas, absolutely. And they, as I said to you, cats will actually take it. <laughs> That's always my concern, palatability. So, very important, but full knowledge about cats, if you're interested or need help with your kitty, please go to terrygrow.com and uh, reach out to her schedule a session and um, we'll be hearing from her again in the Cat University series.